This is not for kids, Copa. Hey, Copa, get off. Is it Copa or Copa? I don't know, man. It's a, it's an acronym. It can be whatever we want it to be. Yeah, as long as we both know what we're talking about. Anyways. Also, it's funny to you? say the Coppas are coming for you. <gasps> Hello and welcome to the Metapod, a Pokemon TCG podcast revolving around the evolving meta. That is so much harder to say rather than written down. Anyways, my name is Jake. I'm joined by the co-host, the man of the hour, Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good. I am. Uh, I'm good. It's uh a wonderful day in the neighborhood if you will uh it's just a nice day outside right now but uh i'm inside it actually is really inside i have my window open it's been beautiful the last couple days um but apparently this week in indiana it's supposed to be like stupid hot so i will i'm not excited for that but anyways that's not we're not weathermen no this is not the weather podcast (laughs) this is not the uh the weather the the thunderous pod the thunder pod where we talk about thunderous, landerous, and um, <laughs> tornadoes. That's the other one. Anyways, we've right. got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We've got several topics, including the Limitless Invitational that just happened this past weekend. Also, the Players' Cup kickoff, kind of what the uh, Players' Cup has going forward. And then also a topic that I've been seeing a lot on lately on Twitter um, about burnout. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for the rest to hear everything that uh, you need to know. I guess we can just start. How do we transition? uh, (laughs) Yeah. Good transitions. Segways. This uh, this this podcast is brought to you by Segways. Always (laughs) bad. I guess we can start with just the limitless results. Let's get straight into limitless. Okay, so the limitless qualifier, if you do not know, this was specifically labeled as the limitless invitational because before this they had four events. Um, called the qualifiers where you could play and you racked up points based on how you placed. And then the top 14, correct me if I'm wrong, 14, top 14 players. There was 16 people in the event. I think two or three got voted in. I think um, they gave I one. think it was two because okay, Azul cool. made it by points. Exactly. So uh, Luke or Celios Network and then Chip Ritchie or Trainer Chip uh, both also, made think, it in. I think Joe, Omnipoke Joe, Joe Bernard also got in via voting. Originally, I think it was going to be 12 and four, and then they just made it 13 and three. Oh, after. yeah, because Azul made it in. So then it was three. Okay, yeah. Anyways, like like Sean said, 16 people played. Um, there was a lot of, I thought it was a, actually a pretty diverse pool. You had three Spirit Tombs in the, in the event, three Picaroms, two Dragapults, two Blounds, two Zashin Combos, one Control, one ADP, and one Lucario Melmetal. So, uh, Sean, what do you think was the most kind of exciting part? Well, I mean, new decks are always the exciting thing, right? I mean, you know, we, we build the spite, we move the spite, we build the spite, we move the spite. Oh, that boy. Tomb Count. Tomb Count was the most exciting deck because it was the new deck, right? It's like, it's the new, new. I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of like the new deck, I guess, because um, it was originally, or from what I know, Mellow Magic Arp, Kevin Clemente, I believe is how you say his last name. Wonderful friend of ours. He kind of put it popular with Spiritomb Beasts, but then Team Gas really came in. They saw that list and they were like, okay, how do we make this better? How do we make this very exciting? And as you were mentioning, build the spite, move the spite. Shout out to Celius Network for that little phrase right there. But they ended up placing first and second members of Team Gas. So shout out to them. Kevin Kruger won the event with Spirit Tomb. And then Luke Morza or Celios Network, one of the creators that got voted in, got second overall. So that's insane, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that there was a, a, a mirror match in the finals of this new-ish, you're right, it's not completely new, like Tomb Beast was catching on a little bit in the weeks before, um, but like this new iteration of that was a mirror in the finals was just like very unexpected. You know, Combo's Austin was a mirror in the finals in the previous qualifier event, and before that you had Pikaram, so it's sort of like, I don't think anybody thought that the Spirit Tomb, a Spirit Tomb-based build was necessarily tier one. And also, like, even though, you know, we talk about how they're on the same team and stuff, they still had different lists. Celios also had the Cryogonal, which I think yeah. helped him quite the a church bit. Of, the Church of Cryogonal. Yes. Um, especially because Luke, something that I never thought of, because I actually played, I played Spirit Tomb Beasts in the fourth qualifier, but something that's really, really cool that Luke was doing that I noticed when I watched his streams 
um, he, he was doing a cryogonal method to where he would move the spite onto cryogonal and then he would attach a hustle belt onto it and hit a blacephalon for like a one hit knockout i believe right because you go yep. you have 10 as your base damage you put on the hustle belt that's 70 damage and then th with weakness that's 140 which knocks out a blown um so to me that was like mind blown <laughs> you know no feenies in either list busted feeny is now not busted no, you're absolutely. This was like, awesome. That's like a really interesting. Obviously, that strategy takes time to build oh, yeah. and move those damage counters over the course of a few turns. But I think it's so unexpected that um, most players, you don't look at that cryogonal and think to yourself that is on the bench, right? As like an eminent threat, the same way mm -hmm. that you do maybe the Spiritombs or uh, an Eveltal. It's not a prize, you know it's not like a prize trade thing where like a Dene or an Oracorio would be. So I think people tend to like maybe leave it alone. Um, and I think that's a benefit to it as well. I agree. And also it was actually like really exciting to watch the mirror match. I mean, again, like they're kind of too different. They have both their ten different tendencies, but the archetype is essentially the same. Um, watching the mirror match was like, insane especially because they both played the stadium of black market now let's just preface i don't think anybody knew before the event that black market prism star was bugged with zamazenta v i don't i don't want to place any blame anywhere not, yeah yeah i, think I that's pretty clear like you know the zamazenta black market bug is so so niche and specific yes um and I don't know if, if I think about Azul, I'm not entirely sure if he played the Zamazenta for what matchup. I think it helps with Dragapult. Um, but other than that, Zamazenta is really, I don't know, maybe it helps knock off some energy, some speed energies from Pikaram. But Pikaram has so much energy acceleration that it doesn't really matter. I mean, I think it, it was, it was, I believe I, I was in a stream for a bit. Um, and I believe I remember him saying that he put it in there for that. Like he, mm. that was one of the reasons that he put it in. Obviously we mentioned that there's other, there's other instances and situations that you want Zamazenta. Um, and he said that Spiritomb was one of them, but it was one that he never tested almost. Yeah. It was more like a theory thing. So like. There was no, nobody knew about this issue until after the event had actually started. Was there an instance when Azul yes. played uh, Luke and Kevin? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Azul, when he played, Azul when he lost. played Luke. Yeah, Azul lost. Uh, he was knocked out of the tournament because of it. <laughs> yeah. So, so like it was, I, no, I remember that when he played Luke, it didn't like have an actual factor. Like there was no instance where like that mattered. But then when he played Kevin, that's mm -hmm. when it mattered. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, it's unfortunate for sure. Uh, but like, again, more evidence. I don't fault Pokemon anybody. Company needs well, to... Yeah. That's the only place that I put blame on that is the Pokemon company. Yeah. Cause like, look, you got to do these online tournaments and then mm -hmm. you have to trust the software to whatever degree that you can. But yeah. like, you know, a real judge would come over and be like, oh, that's not how that interaction works. And then problem solved. A real right? judge that knows what they're doing. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, like the Pokemon company, you know, Metal Goggles is another example of a bug that it's been an issue now. It's been a known And they issue. banned Metal Goggles. Uh, Limitless did? Yeah, I believe it was banned for the uh, Invitational. Well, I mean, that's I mean, good, good on Limitless, I suppose. But like, again... That's something that Pokemon needs to fix. Like, yes, no, parts. I 100% agree. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, Pokemon? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of things that Pokemon needs to do, especially on PTCGO. But at least they're doing something. Do we want to transition into the Players Cup now? Uh, I think one more thing bit. I want to say about Limitless, which I think is interesting. Is I'm, a, I'm down for this. We've had three. I think I said it before. We had three mirrors in a row in the finals of, of the event. You had Pikaram mm -hmm. Mirror for Q3. You had Combo Zacian in Q4. And you have the Invitational. And I would say that each of those, the deck that was in the mirror, like I'm not, Pikaram's not new, but what Pikaram gained when Rebel Clash became legal with Bolton is what made the deck viable. So the very first time that that deck is rediscovered, if you'll say, 
it makes the finals. Combo Zacian mm-hmm. is a thing that people had tossed around a little bit, but it never got the same level of attention that Azul and Takedo and others gave it during Q4. Like leading up to Q4, that was like, oh, this deck is really good. And then it makes the finals of Q4, right? Yeah, I think I mentioned in a video that I made how like Combo Zashin was like one of my tier one decks that I said to take to the qualifier. But it was like it was one of those decks where like if you're not a master on it, like it's not as I think that Pikaram is a little bit more linear, yeah. in my opinion, than Combo Zashin. Like Combo Zashin, there's a reason that it's tough. It's because it has combo in its name, right? Like there's a lot of things that you have to do and a lot of pieces that you have to remember. So like I said, like those people like Azul and stuff that have that deck down pat, you know, they can take those and they'll do really, really well with them. And I was, I sounded smart, but, <laughs> but I, I'm not good with the deck. I've tried it many times. I need more practice. That's all I've been playing for my players cut points, basically. <laughs> so, and then, but the last part was like that tomb count then mm-hmm. is the mirror match in the, in the finals right? And ultimately is the winner of all of Limitless Invitational. It's, it's certainly there's coincidence, right? There's luck, there's coincidence, all that stuff. Like Azul was almost in the finals with, uh, what did he play last week? Combo Zacian again? Yeah. Yeah. He played Combo Zacian. He almost made the finals with Combo Zacian. So it was very close to being not a mirror, obviously. But the mm-hmm. fact that we have three mirrors in a row and three completely different decks as those mirrors I think says something really interesting about the meta right now, which is a, it's like a flavor of the month, if you will, kind of meta. That's uh, man. Make that the tweet. Make that the make that the. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, continue that. But that's fascinating. Right. And it's funny that Dragapult of all decks has not seen success at that level outside of what we can talk about in a second. The Players Cup. Right. But like, yeah, in current, you know, meta in like large tournament meta thus far, maybe Dragapult has done well at like uh, the Neopie Open. So I don't want to discredit it there. But like, when is the deck, that deck going to have its moment? Uh, I don't know. Like if it doesn't have it now, I don't think it will have that moment. And, you know, once um, Darkness of Blaze launches. I think that Dragapult has been the consistent one, but as the meta evolves and we start to figure more things out, right? Like people have always been teching for Dragapult, right? Mm -hmm. People, because we knew about all the hype in Japan, you know, people right out of the gates was was, uh, teching for that matchup and preparing for that matchup. But then you look at like Qualifier 3, you know, where Pikaram really excelled. A lot of people were not ready for Pikaram to do what it did in the third qualifier, thus putting it up. Then people started teching for it, you know, and people started preparing for it. Like, okay, I need to be able to beat or um, try to even out my matchup against Pikaram. So the fourth qualifier came around and Combo Zashian, a deck that a lot of people were like, oh, this probably wouldn't win, you know, goes out and it gets the top. And so then people are like, okay, let's prepare against that deck. Then you get to the Invitational, and now it's Spirit Tomb. You know, it's a deck that people didn't really associate as being like the best deck, you know? And it's not like, it's just like we're we're figuring out the meta and we're going to different, we're placing different techs. We're preparing our decks differently. And it's just these new, not these new ideas necessarily, but like there's always something that people aren't a hundred percent prepared for that just jump out ahead and actually dominate especially when you talk about you know team gas you know those people are on the same team they both had that idea so like i i think that dragapult is in is in the sense where it didn't have like that peekaboo surprise like a lot of these like the other decks that i mentioned had but it's still i think it's still done well oh yeah no this isn't to say that it's not a good deck right it has top Mm -hmm eight top four finishes at basically every event. I think the interesting thing is, I think it suffers right now in a weird way. It has the Blacephalon problem, right? Baby Blounds has not won any big event, basically, in as long as I can remember. But it's always a deck that people are like scared of and and they they hate on or whatever. People don't hate on Dragapult. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? We've known about Blacephalon for a while. But, But yeah, preparing for Blacephalon really is just... Marnie, Stamp, Plant. Those are the three mm-hmm. things you do. And with Dragapult, 
you have all of these dragapults because it's a good deck that start teching against each other and then you blow they they blow themselves up you know with like oh i'm gonna put giratina in mine and i'm gonna put crushing hammers in mine and i'm gonna and then all of a sudden like you're in a field of you know uh, of mirrors that basically is designed to destroy itself Mm -hmm. and i i I find that like really um really interesting and it's funny because you know adp z back in sword and shield format as much as you might not i agree as much as you might despise the fact that the format was so boring to be honest and so there's two good decks and that's it um adpz did have the target on its back and still managed to win and so i think that might say that this meta right now is actually very you know you might be bored with it in one form or another i'm not but I think this meta is really healthy when you can have completely different decks winning big tournaments every single few weeks. I agree with that. And I'd be interested to know, like if, if in two weeks we had another like limitless qualifier, which is going to start becoming like the Neil Pie open, right? We've seen people jump over there, you know, flex, flex daddy, righteous JW crew has been in that Azul has been in that Celios has been in that, you know, there's a lot of, big names going over to it and it's gaining a lot of attention. It's like every week they have a new record of players um, in the event. So it's like, I'm interested to see how that, how that series that Neil Pye runs evolves the meta, like what we see evolve. Cause we're constantly exploring, you know, like all these, all these ideas come out in this healthy rotation, as you said, of like a new deck emerges and dominates um, to where it's not either ADP Zashin or Mill, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just really curious about that because I think that's very exciting in my opinion. I think now is the best time to uh, to test ideas and stuff. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's there's a there's a whole wide open area. I don't see any decks right now that are really a gatekeeper deck, which I think is really important. Yes, I agree with that. I don't think there's a gatekeeper deck either. All right. Um, well, yeah, let's, we can jump straight into the player's cup now. Um, okay. The player's cup. Yeah. Uh, the player's cup, uh, also happened the same weekend as the limitless invitational, the -hmm. player's cup invitational, I should say, um, featuring eight different players from all over the world. Names that you've all heard of Tord Reklev, Andrew Mahone, Pablo Meza, Michael Pramawat, Natalia, uh, Fernandez, Henry Brand, Rahul Reddy and Ross Cawthon, just big names, all invited by the Pokemon company to participate in this event. This is sort of like a a kickoff celebration event, I would say, for the entirety of the Players' Cup that Pokemon is doing. And the winner of this gets an automatic spot in the finals or whatever, the the top 16 uh, tournament for for the Players' Cup. I really liked how the Players' Cup streams on saturday and sunday happened after limitless was done i thought that was very neat timing but if you saw like pokemon tweeted about limitless they are like look at this crazy event that's happening this weekend so i think there is some acknowledgement and pokemon recognizes that that event was going on so i feel like if they if they saw that and they shouted that out you know, then there was a possibility that they wanted to start it after Limitless was all done. Yeah, and it was it was awesome. Yeah. I really liked that. I really liked the um, the way that they did the stream, like the design of it, and switching between the different camera. I agree uh, with recordings. that one hundred percent. Which I quite liked. Uh, now, obviously, that is. I, I don't know how one would manage that live. So for everybody out there who might be wondering, this was all pre-recorded. They recorded mm-hmm. all of these matches um, on the weekend of May 31st. And then over the course of the next two weeks, I'm assuming that, you know, maybe they recorded the matches and then they showed the footage to the casters after they had edited it together in some form or fashion. The, ca- the casters would all then react to the footage. And then the final edit was put together uh, you know, to be, to be released as a stream, so to speak. I thought it was really great. The only gripe that I had is that during the losers bracket, there was like two games where they like did a fast forward showing mm-hmm. and they like cut straight to when prizes were taken. 
which to me as a as a viewer and someone who's trying to learn the game more and improve my skills and watching these top players i didn't i didn't like that it was only like for those two games i believe just two like losers bracket games i think because like i want to as well on day one i remember both days they had a couple of moments where they were like and here's a little recap of another game that just happened yeah like i would have i don't know if there was like time constraints like there people were like okay we can only do it from this time to this time you know we can only have four hours and so like they had to cut somewhere maybe like i can't remember exactly who the matchups were you'd have to well you can't look back at pokemon's vods because pokemon took down the vods even though they're like losers bracket and maybe both players didn't make it to the very end like i still would have liked because they are considered some of the best players in the world and they are um i would have liked to have seen all the sequencing you know and all the moves that they made because that's like sure i can see that michael pramwai used a fire crystal and that's how he got six energies but but okay how did he get to that fire crystal you know how did he set himself up to be able to draw that or you know that type of thing yeah yeah like that that's the only gripe that i had other than that i thought it was i thought the stream was great you know yeah, especially because it was pre-recorded, right? And you're editing mm-hmm. it, and so I don't know what the limitations they put on themselves was uh, themselves were yeah. because I'd have to go back and look at exactly how many games there were. It may have simply been to show every single one of those games. They would have been running until maybe like 9 p.m. every night or something, and they may have literally just come down to the the, the fact that like ah, maybe we don't want to be streaming from you know two to 9 p.m. every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, plus one sure. could argue that there was like technical issues during then, you know, for any of you content creators out there that use OBS or Streamlabs OBS, you know that sometimes you just run into a problem and you have no idea what's going on or how to fix it. So there, there could have been an instance with that. I don't know that happened like in the middle of those games. So instead of like cutting at one certain point, you know, they would have, they instead say, okay, we're just going to hypercut like this entire game instead of this one instance. And it'd be weird and instead have like a consistent game, which I would respect that again. Like there's a lot that we probably don't know, but it was still it was still really cool to see. And, you know, Pokemon like do do stuff like that. And they had like a segment I know with um, Andrew where they talked to Andrew about like different decks and he showed off like different moves and matchups and things like that. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. The, all the little segments that they had are really interesting. That's the stuff that um, you just don't get at any other format typically like any other streamed format uh from other casters because it requires a lot of preparation and you know pre-recording and editing and everything which not always you know options before we talk about the decks that we're in and just want to give a shout out to all you people that were getting timed out for saying uh that andrew or any of the other people were cute um because i know like we got some big we got some big tricky gym fans i also think andrew's cute no cap so shout outs to you for saying that Sorry, you got timed out. Oh, that's I don't think you should have been timed out. But anyways, so <laughs> looking at the decks, you know, you had you had two Dragapults. You had one Spirit Tomb, which was interesting. Ross Cawthon played Spirit Tomb, and I really, really like that. We don't have like exact deck lists because they're not posted on Limitless yet. Um, but we have the archetypes at least. And I think this was a like, I think Ross played a um Spirit Tomb Beast. I can't recall it exactly, but um, like usually with ADP Spirit Tomb, it'll show the ADP and the Spirit Tomb, right? So yeah, I, I think, think he played a Spirit Tomb Beast. Yeah, I think it was Spirit Tomb Beast as well. There was three different peak, or not three different Pikaroms. There were three players playing Pikarom, but Rahul played a Greens Pikaram, which I thought was very, very interesting. And then there were two Blacephalons as well. So kind of talking about the different decks, I'll stick with Rahul right now. I really liked, you know, the Greens Pikaram list. It was pretty much like, I mean, it wasn't the most different deck. Spirit Tomb's obviously the most different deck, but it was a deck that I would not have expected someone to be playing on May 30th and 31st. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think there was some interest around greens Pikaram after the tournament uh i don't know if rahul just like you know secretly or, or separately was just chatting with azul and other folks about greens Pikaram and how it actually could be really good uh but yeah like at that moment in time it was not 
it was not a deck that I think lots of people were thinking about, right? You were thinking, oh, peek around with Bolton. That's, that's great. Um, why would I worry about greens right now? Why didn't I just play research? So yeah, I think it was definitely a surprise. I think from what I saw of Rahul's games, um, it seemed like the greens peek around though just had moments where it wasn't fast enough. So, and it may just be that, look, hey, there's only eight people. Some people are going to get lucky. Some people aren't. So, <laughs> like, yeah, at least they were playing best two out of three, right? Yes, they were. They were playing best two out of three, which is much, much better than, uh, you know, best of one. Yes. I was personally rooting for Pram. You know, Pram and I live in the same town, same area. So I got to root for the uh, hometown hero. Love that guy. But he was playing Blounds. It looked pretty good. Um, but he wasn't the top Blounds player, even though he was fourth. Andrew Mahone, Tricky Jim, bringing in that second place list. Very, very cool, in my opinion. Yeah, I would also say I watched that match with Tord, and uh, oof, that was unfortunate. There was just, he had, mm-hmm. a, I think, a game or two or parts during the games where it was just blounds doing the thing blounds does sometimes which is just not you're like all you're missing one piece so often Mm -hmm. like there was literally one turn where he could have knocked out the dragapult v max to take a win in the second game i believe it was and he does all of his you know sequencing um who knows if he could have done anything differently i can't remember but what he ends up with in his hand is a way to get seven energy which is exactly what he needs but he has no way to retreat the jirachi and it's just like that moment when you're like, it's, it's so heartbreaking to be like, I came back from a reset stamp to get everything I need except a switching card. Those are the moments where like, you know, Andrew's, I'm sure he's had this happen to him so many times. He's also had it happen on the other side where his opponent doesn't get that. But I think that is a unique thing to baby Blounds that you just feel for him in that moment to be like, ah, you couldn't. Just give me that one card that is like in the last six cards of my deck. And I think we got to think about, too, you know, a lot of people will look at these lists. So, like, if you look at Tord's list, for example, Tord's list. And I know you had mentioned this before we we talked and started the podcast, but you had mentioned that this was almost like an iteration of when we first had Dragapult. So I think it's another great thing to note if you're looking at these lists that this was recorded before the third limitless qualifier even finished yeah um so a lot of these people didn't have like the different texts like the scoop up mr mime you know if you or it was recorded before the fourth limitless qualifier i should say yes the fourth limitless qualifier but still but i mean yeah still you're looking at this and this dragapult vmax list if you look at it it's very straightforward obviously that is from what we understand towards preference is to be very straightforward very consistent you know he doesn't he doesn't want to lose because he misses one piece here or there he would rather you know play a game and make his opponent beat him so to speak which rather i think is a valid strategy yeah. yeah exactly so what you see in this deck is it's probably the most stripped down version of dragapult vmax that you could build so and what we have seen is that dragapult has sort of evolved over the last two weeks now all that said if you're looking for a dragapult vmax list this is probably the best base you're going to find without trying to get like too cheeky yes, exactly. with different texts and stuff. Like if you just want to learn how Dragapult runs, you need to figure out like how Dragapult plays. I think this is a very, very good start. Uh, I think that's like, I don't know, for the Players' Cup, though, in my mind, because it took place several weeks ago, I don't actually think the Players' Cup will have any impact on the meta. I don't um, think it does either. <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's kind of unfortunate, right? Because you have this official Pokemon event that is supposed to be prestigious, right? This invitational uh, that the best players in the world are playing at. And like, look, it was fun to watch, but I don't think anyone walks away from that event thinking about any of thinking about the meta or any of these decks any differently than they did before. You know, in in some ways I wish Pokemon could have tried to figure out a way to, um, you know, get, even if it's like, get the players, you know, if he recorded this before Rebel Clash came out, right? Get certain players cards before it even launches. And then if this is the first tournament um, that we see with these types of cards, like that for me, also from like a marketing standpoint, cause that, that's my background. That just makes more sense. Um, I thought it was cool to see like what decks people would choose. Um, I didn't think that Ross was going to pick Spiritomb Beasts after playing 
so much spear tomb adp kind of made the jump with that which was kind of cool even though he played like spirit he played spear tomb beasts in the fourth qualifier and that's when he and then he played it again for the limitless the invitational that he qualified for so i thought that was kind of cool all right well I guess moving on from the Players' Cup stuff, we're not going to get into the details of the actual Players' Cup and all of the challenges there. No, because that's garbage. And yeah, you can talk are... to me privately about that if you want. <laughs> I will more than happy talk to you. I actually talk about it a lot. I think what we can do is we can have like another little segue. Uh, and I think this one, we can quickly chat about a thing that you, myself, and Shay from the Slowpoke Well did today. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was chatting with Jake, you know, when we were thinking about this podcast few weeks ago, what I wanted to do was figure out ways to make uh, challenges, to to challenge ourselves to make weird decks, wacky combinations, whatever you want to call it. And then eventually to get those ideas from from all of you out there who might be listening or watching our videos, sort of kickstarted it with the idea of this Sabrina Suggestion Challenge. So if you're not familiar, Sabrina's Suggestion is a supporter. And what it does is when you play it, you look at your opponent's hand and you can play one of the supporters you find there as if you played that card. So it's literally a supporter to play someone else's supporter. Maybe in a vacuum is like, oh, that sounds kind of like a cool idea. But in practice, it's horrific. It's terrible. It doesn't, it doesn't work. So I was like, you know what? Let's, let's, let's make this card uh, the challenge, very first challenge. It's simple enough to where you can slot it into a number of decks. It made for some fun gameplay, at least. Uh, so... We all had to build a deck that had only four supporters and all of those had to be Sabrina's suggestion. Everything else was basically uh, whatever you wanted to do. It was awesome. <laughs> I had fun. So Jake, Jake went the route of Zeb Stryka, which I think was absolutely the right um, call. Excadrill uh, Zeb Stryka? Sure, sure. But I mean, like, let's be frank. Without the Zeb Stryka, I don't think your Excadrill deck gets off the ground. Excadrill doesn't get off the ground regardless without that <laughs> striker. So I think that the the build that you picked, though, having the Zeb Strika being all that draw that you needed was super important to, I'm going to say air quotes, win the challenge. The challenge was who can get the, the win first. And even honestly, the most wins, uh, Jake definitely would have, you know, wiped the floor with us if we kept playing that. But after a while, we decided to stop. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I played it on stream a little after. I think I went uh, like five out of seven or something like that. Oh my! I gosh. like lost. I lost the goons, which was the first match because I realized that I didn't have any switching cards um, in my deck, and then I lost in the tournament that we entered to Cashman after I had won against you guys, but. I think that says more about Excadrill than it does about Sabrina's though. No, I mean, I, cause I, I'll be straight up when I, the first like four or five games that I played, I did not hit a single Sabrina suggestion. All my Sabrina suggestions were to supporterless hands. So like, but when I was like thinking about when I was thinking about what I should choose last night, cause I didn't, I didn't practice it at all. Cause I waited till the last second, like I do with everything else. Um, I I was thinking like, what's a good deck that like doesn't really need supporters? And then I thought Golurk. Well, we decided in our chat because if you don't know Golurk from Cosmic Eclipse, I think it is. Not sure, but continue. either way, there's a Golurk with two two colorless energies, and you don't have any supporters in your discard pile. You do like 160 damage or something like that. And so I was like, oh, that's a cool deck. But we decided last night. No go lurk. You have to play Sabrina's suggestion. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, like what makes go lurk good without using a supporter? And so I decided Zebstrika. So I was like, what other decks can I use that have Zebstrika that maybe don't need other supporters? And I was like, oh, Excadrill. Just put like more ordinary rods in for your Brock's grit. <laughs> <laughs> like just, I don't know, just have a little bit more draw. I put in Acrobikes. Um, it's on my Twitter if anybody wants to see at Atrocious Jake. Shameless plug. But uh, I won. I'm the winner. The 200 IQ big brain. Fun. <laughs> so we're going to have to put one uh, in the next challenge that is a, uh, uh, a little bit less cheesable. So I think we're going to pick something that has a little bit more uh, like weight to like what you have to do, have to build. Uh, but 
to that point, um, I think we're calling this whole thing like fever dreams because basically that's what these challenges are. They're like these crazy ideas <laughs> that you only we wish were good when you are clearly not thinking straight. So we're calling it fever dreams. Uh, and if you have any suggestions, definitely tweet at us at Metapod TCG or at myself or Jake individually on Twitter. Doesn't matter. Give us your suggestions. Um, I'm I'm excited because I'm not. I'm I'm a little creative, but I'm not that creative. The idea I think I want to do is um, the whole idea is peak RNG. So how peak do you build RNG. a deck that has the most randomness in the deck and actually Nuggle? win? Well, actually win. I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, so I mean, but that's the challenge, right? You have to do well. You can't just build the peak RNG deck and then it doesn't work. You know, Sabrina's didn't work, but you won because you were able to you know, fulfill the requirements of the challenge and win despite that. Heck yeah. So peak RNG to me is like, all right, you got Dan as a supporter. Um, what else? What oh other things boy. involve coin flips, right? Like crushing hammer go burr. Yep. Crushing hammer. That's all coin flips. So like anything that requires you to either make a choice, but you don't know what the opponent is choosing or for Pokemon's RNG, which everyone loves to hate on. To, to be the deciding factor of you winning and losing games. So that I think to me is a challenge that I want to do is like, can Blissy. you make every card in your deck essentially RNG every based? Card? Yes. Every card? No way. You can't do that. Uh, we have Pokeball, don't we? Flip yeah, a we coin. Have Pokeball, if heads, like, search your deck for a Pokemon. Who needs Quick Ball? Can you get every single Pokemon that you use that either is a support Pokemon with an ability that's coin flip or an attack. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Coin flip. I haven't, I haven't dug into the archives of Pokemon. Can uh, you get every single supporter to help you? That's a coin flip. Well, Dan, I'm, I'm considering Dan um, uh, RNG because you have to, it's rock, paper, scissors, right? So, Oh boy. Uh, but like that's, you also a, that's have just simply outplaying your opponent. Well, rock, paper, you, scissors. Yeah. That is a game of, <laughs> of pure skill. But then you have other supporters that are like, hey, draw two cards, flip a coin of heads, draw two more cards. That, there are supporters like that. So like... I know what that supporter is, but I can't remember it. Yeah, I can't I know what you're talking about. Is it like Milo bug or something? Catcher. Or bug, bug Catcher. Or Bug Catcher, yeah. So like, there's plenty of cards out there to fulfill these requirements. Nobody plays them. So... Wow. Okay, what a challenge. That, to me... Sneak peek there for anybody who listens to this point in the pod uh, is my uh, recommended challenge. I probably won't win that one. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? It's all RNG based, right? <laughs> we have a Discord channel if you want to give us the most busted uh, or I have a Discord channel that you can join if you want to yeah. give me the most busted list to stay ahead of these goons so that I can stay undefeated. I'm I think it'll kidding. be an interesting exploration in risk reward. Right. Like, yes. okay, well, if you got to flip coins, you might as well go big. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for the, the challenge part. Uh, that was sort of like a mini segue between all of the results from last weekend. And I think our, our other main topic for today, which is burnout. I have a preach, a Ted talk essentially geared toward this. It is not, I mean, it is a little bit prepared because like I've been thinking about this for a while, um, but I don't have anything written down. If I had a camera, I'd show you. I don't have anything written down on this. This is going to come like straight from heart and experiences. Um, but I've seen a lot of people lately um, that have been talking about like, I don't I don't I've seen several people quit the TCG. I've seen I've seen several people mention like, hey, I don't I don't enjoy this game anymore. Like there's nothing, there's nothing really to play for, you know, like there's no, there's no point. Um, so like burnout is something, well, especially cause when it's my friends, like Pokemon is such a Pokemon, such a game where you have friends, you know, like I'm sure we can all think of people, whether we've met them on social media, like myself and Sean, um, or people that we've met at our local leagues and events that we have become close with because we share the same likes i would i would think would you not agree yeah yeah exactly so like you definitely don't want those people to go right i mean even though you can still text them and stuff like that like you want to have those people at those events and things like that and it's and it hurts when someone wants to leave the game 
Um, for those of you that don't know, I was a collegiate swimmer. I swam for like the first 20 years of my life, dedicated all in. Um, and so like I've I've been in this experience of like seeing people come, seeing people go in the sport. Well, just for the sake of the for the sake of my own sanity, I'll say that the TCG is a sport because it fulfills the requirements of a definition of sport where it is a competition. It has rules and you exert some sort of energy. I don't know how many times when I played the TCG that I sweat in my armpits. Um, but to me, that's exerting energy. Anyways, when you when you look at the TCG and you look at, you know, burnout, a lot of people are burned out because they're going 100 miles an hour and they feel like they don't have a goal to hit. You know, I think I think obviously the very first thing that you need to do is goals. Goals are a huge part of dedication, you know, drive, especially. Um, so like the reason that Sean and I are continuously producing content in a time that Pokemon is quote unquote dead. The Pokemon TCG is dead, right? Because there's no IRL events and stuff like that. The reason that we keep going is because we want to improve not only just our content, but as like players. Sean, I would assume that you want to win a regional someday, right? I mean, I wouldn't be averse to it. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> so like I have goals, I have goals that like I want to go to a regional. I want to day two a regional. I want to go. I want to I'm going to be I'm going to be straight up about this. I want to be recognized as a good player rather than a content creator. You know, I want to be I want to be that level of like Luke Morza, Celios Network. Great guy. We've talked about him a couple times already. He's a great player. I don't think people can really argue that he's a pretty good player. He's also a really good commentator. He is someone that I aspire to be like, right? That's like, that's, that's the step that I go towards. That's the goal. Um, so like, that's why I continue to grind. I may be on a little bit of a break right now um, because of the Pokemon DLC coming out, but I'm still like diving into Pokemon content. I'm still staying up to date, you know, like we do this podcast. So I'm like watching the streams. I'm watching different players talk about certain decks, things like that. Um, but I think like a really good first thing to avoid burnout is breaks. Now, kind of comparing it to my life in terms of sport, you know, I think this is a really good comparison in swimming. You essentially swim all year, but you only do competitions during a certain part of the year. Basically, any time, except if you're at the Olympic level, any time that's not the summer. Big time swim meets, going to competitions, traveling far away. So the summer is really meant to like take a break from those big events to either A, you can just not do it at all, which is a totally valid thing, right? You can just not do it at all. That's fine. You just might be a little bit rusty when you come back. Um, but kind of like resetting your mind, your body, your spirit. Or you can take that time to fine tune things. So in swimming, a lot of the times the summer would be more geared towards fine tuning, whether that's my technique in the actual act of swimming or like going into the weight room, trying to gear my summer to building bulk, you know, building some muscle, taking a break from just constantly grinding out competitions, constantly grinding games is a huge thing in my mind that maybe a lot of people don't see in the Pokemon trading card game because like Sean, I think you can I think you can agree even though we both haven't been playing that long and it's like the end of our rookie season. Like Pokemon without a pandemic, you know, without a worldwide pandemic is like a constant year thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's like, like there's events every single month, uh, cups reset, league challenges reset. Regionals. Yeah, even after even after like worlds, you know, in like the next week, you can go to a challenge and you can go to a cup. Pokemon is Pokemon has this like constant grind. Like there is no there is no like summer break. There is no off season, essentially. So especially with quarantine, I hear a lot of people saying like there's no IRL events. You know, there's nothing to go for. I can't play in person in these events. And I'm not saying that your feelings are invalid. I'm not saying that you're that because you feel like you hate you hate that this pandemic is going on, that you can't feel like you're I totally understand what it feels like to be like lost. Essentially, I can't play with other people, you know, like, is there anything to work towards? But like Pokemon is essentially right now in the quarantine in an off season. 
I mean, Sean, also, if you have any like if you have any like rebuttals or you want to uh, argue about something, feel free to jump in. I don't want this. No. I mean, I. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I would say, what I would really have to add to this is just for me, I think taking a break as you as you need or as you want is important. I agree. Um, I think the idea of having a goal right now, we don't know when the next season is going to start because let's be frank. Pokemon we, said that at. It was like August 28th events will start back up again. Oh, did they? When did I, they I mean, I guess that? that's like, I'm pretty sure that has been announced. Oh. This may be like a time where I fact check myself. Yeah, I haven't heard um, that. I know that that's when Worlds was supposed to be. And that's technically when the next season is supposed to start. But there's no indication. Uh, that might be what they hope. But I'm like 90%. I mean, it's obviously like with the pandemic, there's not going to be... Like if, if they're still like, if it's still at the level that it was, you know, when they decided to stop everything, if it's still at that level, obviously they're going to say like, Hey, we're going to pause this a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they said standard rotation. Yeah. It's the end of rotation and it's when we can at least look forward to events again. But like, I'm pretty sure that they came out and said like, after like when worlds was supposed to happen, they were going to... I, I don't know. Look, who knows? Right. Like, cause I think that Pokemon is genuinely taking this, like the rest of the season is canceled. Mm-hmm. There has been no official indication that the, in my opinion, I don't think there's been any indication that part of the 2021 season has been canceled. So yeah. you can assume that the entirety of the 2021 season will be intact. I think that my, my point of that, of that whole like part though is that pokemon is not gone right pokemon is not saying well there's going to be no more irl events you just will get the cards and expansions and you buy them and you run your own stuff you know like pokemon will come back with cups challenges regionals worlds naics you know like it's it's not it's not gone forever it's basically just like an off season i think that for me the main thing will be Taking the time off, I think, is important. I personally didn't compete in three of the four limitless qualifiers, not because I couldn't, but because I chose to not spend, you know, eight, 10 hours on a Saturday um, at my computer. Because to me, to be frank, like, you know, I spend eight or 10 hours a day or whatever at a computer for work. I don't want to spend eight to 10 hours a day at a computer to play Pokemon. I, I I got into Pokemon because I want to play with people, with human beings and physical cards out in the world more often than not. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I will adapt and I spend more time playing PTCGO than I ever have. That sensation of burnout really comes from not having the opportunity to play with people. Um, so instead of saying, well, if I can't play with people, I'll just play everything online. For me, like I'm just like, well, I just won't play online as much as I would have played in person because... It's not going to make me feel as good to spend that much time online. It's just not. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a little different. You know, when you're with eight people in a room and you're playing games and people are watching you play games and you watch other people play their game, it's just a completely different feeling for me. Um, and like, I, I, I know that'll come back. I'm not worried about that, but it's more just mm-hmm. like, Hey, that to me is like, that's what I loved and what I, the reason I really wanted to get into the game so I'm not going to, you know, uh, force myself to play as much Pokemon if it's not in a format that is as appealing to me. So for me, that's what it means to take a break is like, I'll still play. Obviously, I'm doing all the Pokemon stuff like this, but I'm not going to like push myself to spend every weekend um, doing like a four to six hour event. Right. Mm-hmm. There's there is the notion that like Pokemon doesn't do enough for the online client, right? I think we can both agree on that. Yeah, I think anybody listening can agree on that. But look at what Pokemon has done as well for the IRL scene in the last couple months. So you look what I'm talking about is getting people to play in terms of like families and stuff outside of the or inside the quarantine right while there's no events going on so you you look at things like battle ready league decks so like your the reshiram charizard and the picaram you know those battle ready decks i say battle ready in quotations yeah no we look at the we look at the trainer toolkit incoming so like pokemon is trying to still like 
help us as much as possible do IRL things without like trying without or while trying to maintain like social distancing and, you know, recognizing that there's a pandemic. Like there are great there are great products coming out right now that are going to help and improve the IRL scene, in my opinion. I will say, though, I, I agree. I think that those products are amazing. I don't think those products have anything to do with the quarantine. Uh, I no, know I think that, that they were kind of planned before yes. the quarantine. I <laughs> agree with is, that. Um, I think what it shows more than anything is that Pokemon realizes they need to make their game at a competitive level more accessible. So then they mm-hmm. create these products that are actually competitively viable. Because theme decks are are nothing. <laughs> like what well, you know, I mean, I guess if you spend ten dollars on a theme deck when Sword and Shield came out and you get three professors research, yeah, it's pretty uh-huh. good. But like other than that, this they didn't even have the right Inteleon Cinderace or Rillabooms in those. So uh you know, and I think that between the Ultra Necrosma deck that came out last year that had oh, yeah. in that it, too. The Pikachu and Zekrom deck, I just hope they produce enough of those, you know, units that people can buy them at a reasonable-ish price, which I think they will. I think Jirachi will come down in price with the skateboard rotating. Jirachi is like $4 right now. Yeah. It's the cheapest it's ever been like by far, I feel like, or at least since we've been playing at least. And I think that's Pokemon, as you were saying, I think that's Pokemon listening to their competitive player base. I think, honestly, I think Pokemon, we, we talk about how the Pokemon company realizes that the majority of their buyers are collectors, right? Mm-hmm. But I think they also know the collectors don't care about regular art Dedenne. They don't care about Jirachi. Like, let's mm-hmm. be frank here. Those are not high dollar value collector items. They're only expensive because of competitive play. And if you go to all these events right now, I don't have historical data for this, but I very rarely see kids at a lot of the um, card shops and events that I go to. No, like we can we can all agree that probably the junior, the junior and even senior, like I don't know how many events I go to where there's only like two or three juniors, seniors combined. Right. So like I think it is smaller and like the entry is different. Right. I think that's Pokemon realizing, well, you know, yeah, adults can be into this to a certain point. But a lot of the adults who play the Pokemon game played it when they were kids. So if mm -hmm. we do not have kids playing the game today it is going to be very bleak in 10 years. And I think part of that is because, you know, for a long time they didn't have products that were competitively viable. And so I think this is a big, this is a good opportunity for a kid to go to their parents and say, I you know, I really like playing Pokemon and I want to get this thing and it'll make me even better. And then hopefully the parents will be like, okay, well, how much is it? And then, oh, it's only $25. Well, yeah, sure. Like I'll, I can pay $25 for this thing. That's an entire deck of Pokemon cards. And that Mm -hmm. is 80% of a competitive deck at least. And I mean, like you look at, like I go to the local league that I mentioned that is open. That's doesn't necessarily like have the promos and challenges and stuff. They can't do that yet. That is literally parents and children playing. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is parents and children that have invested in the card game now and are learning the card game and the different nuances. And they may, they like, they don't, a lot of them don't know like the limitless qualifiers and the big time events, but they know the rules. They're slowly, it's like every time I go, like they get a little bit better. You know, somebody's got a little bit better of a deck. You know, they're there to learn and to have fun. And there was a kid that I actually directed like my Twitter to to get into the Neil Pie Open because he was like, hey, I know that you play competitively. I know that you participate in these events and you indulge in a lot of Pokemon content. How do I do that? And so I like directed him to all that stuff. So if he's listening, he knows who he is. Anyways, shout out to you. People complain about people complain about like Pokemon not doing anything for PTCGO client. And that's true. There's not a lot that is being done. There is maintenance coming out uh, tomorrow, I think it was. I literally saw a tweet as we were... I saw it on the client this morning. Yeah, game maintenance on PTCGO tomorrow. It will... Will it fix anything? That's the tweet that I saw. I don't know. Again, we we talked about like the majority of people that buy Pokemon cards are collectors. I think that... You, you have that circle, and then inside that circle are the IRL players, and then I think inside that circle are the PTCGO players, right? Yeah. I would think. Yeah, I think I that... Think the PTCGO is the smallest 
yeah group i don't have any numbers to back that up but i just feel like that's the case I feel like that's the case that PT Zero is a smaller group. So it's good that Pokemon is now, like we mentioned, now they're pushing out like all these competitive products, right? They're pushing out all these different, you know, things to help you get ready to actually like have good decks and you can learn how to play with those good decks and you can become a better player and start joining like your cups and challenges and local leagues and stuff. And so the next step is something like starting this Players' Cup. I, I bag on the Players' Cup. I shit on the Players' Cup a lot because it's bad. But this is something. <laughs> this is something that they, they're doing. Like They took the time to actually do something. It may suck, but you look at the... You look at the I can't... I'm, I always blank on the company that's like in charge of the client in oh, terms yeah. of making the client it's like stuff. Some, yeah, it's outsourced to some other like, uh, development yeah. company. But like, I don't think Pokemon has started giving them that much yet. Like, I think that company is kind of limited to what Pokemon is giving them. I think I mentioned that on Floaticast was that when I was on their podcast. Mm-hmm. But but soon, I think Pokemon is going to start putting more into the Pokemon trading card game online. I think they're going. I don't think that this update tomorrow is going to be an entire revamp of the game. But I think that this Players Cup is a huge step in the direction to Pokemon doing stuff for ptcgo because there's already they're already starting to trickle inside to the center i I think they who knows what they're going to do with the client i think obviously they're going to see that usage of the client went up um Mm -hmm. i don't know if how they from an roi standpoint now we're getting into the business of all this but like i don't know how they value ptcgo from an roi standpoint because they only make money from code cards and code cards are only sold for them through individual packs. I can't imagine that during quarantine, there has been more product moving than there was before. So I can't imagine that either, to be honest. It's a tough thing because I think on paper, there will be financially no argument to be made to bolster PTCGO because I'm just going to, these are like, if I'm sitting here as like the CFO uh, or, or the, the finance person that's in charge of allocating resources to this. I'm going to look at the quarantine and go, our sales are down, I don't know, probably 20% more. I don't know. But a lot of people are playing online. And it's like, well, yeah, more people are online, but probably not that many more people, right? It's not like people are No, getting- again, it's like it's the smallest circle. Exactly. So more people are online. So yeah, that's, a, that's one bonus. But because we want to be a game for kids and we don't want to have loot boxes or whatever that you purchase with physical money in the game. I'm sure that's a big part of it for them. Um, they have to keep selling code cards. So it's like, a way, well, to do that, we really need to push sales of our physical product. That in itself is a loot box. Anyways, well, back is. to I the mean, conversation. No, no, but I mean, it's, you know, parents and, and you know, regulators, uh, they have accepted the notion of a physical loot box in the way that they have not accepted the notion of a digital loot box. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just perception, really. So you think about all those things and then, you know, if I'm there, I'm like, I can't prove that putting another, I don't know, hundred thousand million, I don't know how much money it would cost to update the client properly, but probably six, you know, millions of dollars in man hours at minimum uh, to update it properly. So you're sitting there like, okay, well, that's not really a ton of money for the Pokemon company, but for the line item that is PTCGO, that's probably a significant investment how do I know that this is going to be worth it? Right? Like I just, I think that's the problem they run into. And with the player's cup, I agree. Um, I'm doing the player's cup kind of on and off. Just like, I'm not stressing about it because the, the system is not really accurate, but you're not the esports term no. that I absolutely hate the sweaty. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a so sweat, much. but I am playing from time to time. But I think the thing is a lot of people are not really participating in the player's cup. For, for valid reasons. But again, what's going to happen is that might be that the Players' Cup was a test to see how many people are interested in the idea of a large format online tournament. Now, obviously, you know that the reason people aren't doing it is because the system doesn't work properly. But who knows what management at Pokemon is going to say if you're like, hey, we did this test. How many people really participated? Well, we did see a lot more tickets being spent, but in total, only... You know, if you look at the tournament rep leaderboard, like as of like a week ago or a few days ago, do you know how many people have at least one point, which means how many people competed in a tournament rep event 
globally? Thousand? Eight thousand people. Eight thousand. That's see, that's a lot more than I that's, thought. No, that's nothing. A company as big as Pokemon, can you imagine if you only sold Uh-oh. 8,000 units of the new Pokemon Sword or Shield DLC. Okay, I got you. Sorry. No, that's my point. Like, so, you know, you think about these numbers and these are, these are tiny numbers An 8,000 person monthly active player base, basically for tournaments is awful. (laughs) And then you start getting into the notion that the leaderboard doesn't even work right. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, right? Like there's really 10,000 people. The point is, is like you're not going to get orders of magnitude more participation by fixing the leaderboard. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so it comes down to it. It genuinely just comes down to are they willing to make the investment, not knowing if that will drive more usage because they have no way of proving that out now. They have to take a leap of faith if they're going to make this thing right. But I don't know from an internal perspective if the Pokemon company is that kind of company. But that's my cynical business minded view. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, it's like, although like right now just sucks overall, you know, we got the pandemic, mm-hmm. we got, we got no IRL Pokemon events. I do think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I, cause I, I, especially because Pokemon shouted out limitless. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier oh, yeah. or if I just mentioned it when we were talking either before the podcast or on stream or whatever, but limitless or Pokemon is, has noticed us. I think that they're very aware of how the player base feels of certain things. And I think the update will tell a lot if it, if like the bugs are fixed for at least like metal goggles, so we've <laughs> been talking about market. that for a couple of weeks, maybe not black market, maybe not black market. Cause that, that was just brought up like yesterday, but in terms of the, in terms of the metal goggles, you know, one that we've been talking about for weeks, you know, Pokemon shouted out limitless. and was like, Hey, go to this event. I think that, I think that their social media team, is pretty aware of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think that they, it would, it would vastly surprise me if they do not know that a lot of the community, especially like your competitive players, at least the people that I follow do not like the players cup. Oh yeah. No. And the problems that they have, especially when you talk about Azul, one of the biggest named <laughs> players in the game, you know, made a really good video about it. And you have other creators like Celios that have talked about it. And just like a lot of people talking about it, right? Just overall, it would be a very big surprise if somebody, if nobody on on the media team or anybody in that is in control or has some capacity of the trading card game does not know that. Oh, yeah, they know the player base is pissed, essentially. uh, Yeah, there there is no doubt in my mind that they are very, very aware. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, I think it just comes down to just because you know that something is wrong doesn't mean you feel the need to fix it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the Players Cup as it stands now, the way that you qualify, I think if you fix the tournament rep system, they've gotten enough tickets where I think they know. If they can fix that, I think that's all they can do. Uh, But the question will be, do they come up with a different thing, like a new other tournament, another option after June? So like we have June, which is like the qualifying period. And then like July is the actual tournament. Yeah. Doesn't so, it like bleed into August a little does. bit? Yeah. Yeah. You have like the 256 person tournament that gets whittled down to like the top four or whatever from each region. And then there's another tournament that happens after that in August. Maybe, I guess maybe they're prepared to do something if like the pandemic is extended and they can't do like cups, challenges, regionals. They can't like permit those yet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I would be that's my holdout of like, this is. Players Cup was the first step and mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But anyways, I think I think that is we've we've gone far beyond the burnout point. <laughs> yeah. What we started like talking about just everything else in general, but that's okay. Because yeah. we evolve. Yeah. The conversation on the evolves. metapod. The conversation <laughs> evolves on the metapod. Uh to everybody out there who's listening, thanks again for listening. Thanks for all the support on the first episode as well. Um, let us know, uh, any thoughts you might have discussion topics, um, for next time. And, uh, yeah, just shout out us on Twitter, uh, at Metapod TCG or at either of our individual handles. Uh, and you can catch me on my YouTube. You can catch Jake, uh, on Twitch. All of those links will be in the show notes. 
Uh, yeah, thank you everybody again for listening. Bah, wait, shout out yes. real quick. Can I do a shout out? Shout out. Um, well, it's really two. One, um, Axel doing really well in the Limitless Qualifier. Shout outs to you in the Invitational. He's one of my community members um, on Twitch. So like shout outs to him. Great kid. Um, talk to him like once or twice when, when they stop by. But also, um, I'm doing a fundraiser for the LGBTQ Freedom Fund right now. Charity fundraiser where all proceeds are going over there. We just rotated items, so now we have shirts and mouse pads on sale. Next week, we'll have hoodies. Um, really cool design. There's like nine different designs. Sean, you bought something. I got a sticker. Yes, and like it's pretty cool. All proceeds that I would be getting are going over there. So um, I have a personal goal to sell at least 10 items. We're at seven right now. I haven't bought my item yet but I will before this is over. I just need like one more paycheck first. <laughs> um, but if you're in that same boat and you go to the site that I have um, for the fundraiser and you check that out on stream elements, um, but you're like me where you're like, oh, I need to, I need one more paycheck first and I'm going to miss some stuff. Send me a message the like last week. So like, um, let me pull up the calendar the last week. So like June 28th to July 4th, that week will be like what everybody needs in terms of last second because of like living paycheck to paycheck like I am currently right now. So like shout out to you again, all proceeds going to the LGBTQ Freedom Fund. Um, ELE, love everybody, love everybody. Love your neighbor, regardless of gender, sexuality, ethnicity, race, what color hat they wear. <laughs> yes. Whatever. Yeah, support uh, support that cause. Head to Jake's Twitch channel for all of those details. You will talk about it more on your Twitch streams as well. Yeah, I talk about it a lot. <laughs> but yeah, get the get the merch. It's awesome. Really good designs. Um, yeah, I think that's gonna do it. Thank you everybody for listening, and uh, yeah, we will catch you in another episode of Metapod. <laughs>